Welcome to episode 118 of The Digital Life, a show about our adventures in the world of design and technology. I'm your host, John Follett, and with me is founder and co-host, Dirk Niemeyer. Hi, John. What's up? So this week, I thought we could revisit the the topic of the the UX design firm, the UX agency, and and its health in the marketplace as a, uh, independent agencies have kind of been through the ringer, I think, this year. It started about almost a year ago now when Adaptive Path uh, got sold to Capital One. And since then, there were a number of sort of high-profile design firms that either had to close offices or shut down or got purchased by uh, larger, uh, more affluent companies. And there was, there was a huge question as to whether independent design firms could really make a go of it anymore or if the in-house uh, UX and design department was sort of the wave of the future. So over the past year, there's really been a lot of hand-wringing and, and discussion. I think you did a blog post, Dirk, uh, the title of which I think was telling UX agencies everything is going to be all right, which you did you know, probably like six or seven months ago uh, now. But I think we've seen a really interesting shift in the landscape of of uh, this UX agency, independent agency territory. And I wanted to dig into that a little bit today. Sure. So what are you seeing? So I think there's really never been a greater need for digital design. Well, first, first the landscape. Uh, let, let's take a look at that. Between just the amount of... Um, software that's that's required to be designed from you know from mobile software to software for tablets and any number of devices and you know still of course the uh, uh, the laptops and PCs there's really never been a greater need for digital design uh, and couple that with sort of the growing need for design uh, for software for the Internet of Things and wearables and up and coming you know emerging technologies Technologies like genomics and robotics, and you, and you really just have this uh, environment where you would think that design would really be thriving um, and and um, really in demand. So so I think the need for the work is has never been greater, and and the need for uh, excellent designers has never been greater, and I think some of the uh, the hand wringing or the uh, sort of the the tumult that we've seen over the past year has been indicative not of uh, you know of design sort of going away, but design and design agencies evolving into sort of whatever the next phase is. And I can be a little bit uh, more specific about that uh, just based on uh, some of my own experience in that I've seen that design agencies, uh, uh, first off, the ones that, that are covering certain, certain types of industries are really starting to hone in on those industries. So if you're uh, particularly well-suited uh, for, for a type of uh, design or innovation for, say, the financial industry. Maybe you'll start focusing entirely on, on that industry. Uh, well, I know uh, we've done that, but I'm not yeah. aware of other UX firms doing that. Can you share some of those firms? Sure. So, 
and and some of this has been happening all, already. So so I, I know, for instance, that 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 locally there's uh, there are a number of of design firms that are focused more and more on on the healthcare. Uh, vertical, and as you pointed out, we're acutely aware of those because um, because we're in that you know in that space as well. But um, you know, I can think Medulin is doing that, Macadamian is doing that, uh, our friends at uh, uh, a number of other agencies are doing that, um, and and sort of honing in on on healthcare. Um, on the financial side of things, I think I, I was mostly thinking of uh, adaptive path moving into that uh, sphere where they're not just working with Capital One, they've sort of become Capital One. Um, but that's, uh, you know, a slightly, slightly different um, uh, scenario there. Um, and I think in particular, if you see that specialty, you know, honing in on a... A, an area where you have the greatest strength. I think that's uh, a, a sign of, of maturity and, and evolution in the industry. So I think it's, it's worth asking as, as part of this dissection of what's happening in uh, the sort of the design agency world, you know, what is, you know, user experience anyway, and, and how do we draw the lines around that industry? I must say that um, when the web was first starting, I never really considered, uh, you know, the design of websites and e-commerce sites. You know, the, the term user experience was never really uh, uh, part of that equation. It sort of came to the fore over the, uh, you know, the, the decade, which was the 2000s, and really took off. Um, and so, so now we have user experience and design with such a broad mandate that also includes, you know, communication design and uh, digital design of all stripes, whether it's e-commerce or, you know, the aforementioned marketing. And, and I feel like that part of communication design uh, is, is also competing for talent, is also competing for... Um, uh, clients, uh, so so that when when you're talking about UX and design agencies, there's maybe this lack of um, well increased competition, and then uh, maybe some some initial lack of of differentiation from what communication firms can do. Uh, so so some of that overlap, I think, is is creating uh, some additional. Uh, tension when it comes to uh, UX design firms. The last thing that that I think is is really worth uh, talking about a little bit further uh, is this this move in house uh, from uh, you know outside design firms. So if you were IBM, uh, you know a year and a half ago, you weren't really embarking yet on on this design initiative that they've now uh, you know started a new design center they're hiring a thousand UX uh, uh, UX people to come in and uh, uh, sort of enhance all of their enterprise software and it's it's really creating an additional um, draw on industry talent so over the past year I've seen, 
sort of endless recruiting ads on LinkedIn precisely for those those kinds of jobs. And it really makes you realize that uh, enterprise UX, which maybe wasn't quite as um, as dominant a force uh, in previous years, has now uh, started to become something that uh, people are really paying attention to. And on the show, we've had a couple of, of different episodes where we've discussed uh, um, sort of the bring your own device movement and enterprise UX in general. But fundamentally, the shift that is happening in enterprise software is also causing uh, uh, some uh, some pull on the independent UX agency. So if, if you look at all those trends together, I think you can see that the, the need for change for independent agencies uh, and the need really for specialization uh, has, has never been greater. I think there's light at the end of the tunnel, um, or I would like to believe that, uh, but there's, there's this... Uh, there's this sense that that we're still sort of waiting and seeing uh, for what's going to happen next. Dirk, what you know? What's your impression of all of that? Yeah, just another market cycle. Just another market cycle. I mean, look, you know, go go back. You know, go back 50 years, right? Go back to the time of Mad Men, and the the agency business waxes and wanes in different ways. And the thing that's most notable about it is that while agency work, outside services work, um, you know, continues to be required, and there continue to be a lot of firms, uh, they are changing over time. Uh, what services they're offering, how they position themselves. So uh, certainly, agencies that are staying in place and not uh, changing, adapting to the market and the needs of customers, they might be in trouble. But um, for a large segment of us who are sort of intelligently and appropriately uh, adjusting with, you know, with the times and with with where uh, things are headed, it's it's going to be fine. It's going to be all right. You know, it's um, sometimes these adaptation periods are hot sometimes they're they're not necessary and you know sometimes the the consolidation is hot and other times it, it really isn't and we just happen to be in a moment where the 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 consolidation the you know the in-housing of services the attempt to pivot away from as much reliance on outside providers is really at a high point um, and it, it's during a period of real innovation and change in technology and in culture. And so that is going to really force us as service providers to be highly adaptive and uh, potentially have a very different uh, market strategy and positioning than we did even just a few years ago. And that's, I mean, that's healthy. I mean, you know, that's, uh, the, the, that's the good part of, of free markets at, at work. And uh, those who don't adapt are, are going to be left behind. Even some who do adapt will be left behind. But in the long now, you know, a decade from now, eh, there'll be approximately the same amount of outside providers as there are now, as there are always. Um, it's just it's just a moment. You know, we in the U.S., we look at things so short term. I mean, you know, financials are always quarterly. Um, you know, other cultures primarily and particularly Eastern cultures have a much longer time horizon. Horizon. It's much healthier. It's much more correct. And you know, as usual, we're just sort of panicking here as relates to short-term stuff. Uh, and in the long now, things 
from the standpoint of outside service providers being an augmentation to uh, businesses and corporations, you know, we're, we're going to be here, the external creatives uh, doing our thing, uh, you know, as, as well as ever, just in different ways, perhaps. Yeah, that's that's a really healthy outlook, Dirk. I think you, um, you know, in, in, in your blog post a few months ago, you, you had a, a similar kind of view. Um, for from my standpoint i definitely get get drawn into the uh the idea that that the problems that we're encountering as an industry are uh unique or special because they're uh also coupled to all this technological change which seems uh you know at times to be a, a very very unique and special as well but it is it is worth remembering that that longer term view, uh, especially when it comes to uh, sort of dealing with um, the kinds of uh, alterations that we need to make in in order to survive. So, as you pointed out, the the emerging tech industries of the '50s and '60s were all around uh, television and advertising and, and Mad Men, and I'm sure that the guys who are who are writing the radio ads felt uh, the same way I do now, which is that everything's changing. Um, but <laughs> the, uh, the the market cycle um, analysis, I think, is is a pretty good one, and one that I'll try to uh, keep in mind day to day. Listeners, remember that while you're listening to the show, you can follow along with the things that we're mentioning here in real time. Just head over to thedigitallife.com, that's just one L in the digital life, and go to the page for this episode. We've included links to pretty much everything mentioned by everybody, so it's a rich information resource to take advantage of while you're listening, or afterward if you're trying to remember something that you liked. And if you want to follow us outside of the show, you can follow us on Twitter, uh, I'm at John Follett, J-O-N-F-O-L-L-E-T-T. And of course, the whole show is brought to you by Involution Studios, which you can check out at goinvo.com. That's G-O-I-N-V-O.com. Dirk? You can follow me on Twitter at D Niemeyer. That's at D-K-N-E-M-E-Y-E-R. Or email me, Dirk, at goinvo.com. So that's it for episode 118 of The Digital Life. For Dirk Niemeyer, I'm John Follett and we'll see you next time.